Now today, I am going to be speaking probably not on the subject that you expected, uh, but whenever you live life, you go through these different stages of life when certain things happen that demand that you spend a lot of time in the scripture if you are a Christian and you don't want to know what God says about these things. And many of us have gone through the valleys. We're not always up on mountaintops. There's valleys between the mountains. And uh, last Sunday I preached on stress. And having recently had shingles, I can tell you a little bit about stress. That, you know, whenever you go through these things you're not accustomed to, you start getting into the scripture for your own, not getting stuff to preach, but you get stuff to help you with. And uh, that has been true in my own life. Also, when you go through the difficult times of sickness, the same thing, why, Lord, help me to understand. And without any lack of respect to the country and gratitude to our military and to the joy that we have of flying the red, white, and blue, I want you to let me veer a little bit today and to continue in sort of sharing some things that I am learning with the hopes that you too will learn. Because if you're not in the valley today and you say, I'm on the mountain, watch out. Because any way you walk, you're going to be in a valley. That's just the way mountains are. And it doesn't matter how good you feel today, there is also a time of death. There is a time of sickness. No one escapes that. And I think, you know, when people get sick, they're not alone. Nations get sick. And most of you would say our nation is under great stress and in a lot of ways is sick and needs a touch of the great physician and a touch from the healer. And so I want to carry you into a area this morning that you were not expecting, I'm sure. And, and please forgive me if I offend anyone by going a little bit off chart today on this very special holiday. But I want to speak to you on the Christian attitude towards illness. How do we deal with illness? And I'm so thankful that the Bible has a lot to say about it. I'm glad that doctors aren't the only ones that talk about illness and nurses aren't the only ones that talk about illness, that uh, God talks about illness. He says that he's the great physician. He says, I can not only heal the sick, but I can raise the dead. But in our walk with the Lord, we must be reminded that in every area and avenue of life, that God has a way of showing up and helping us get through that time. So I want to turn, first of all, to the book of James. And I want you to look with me at this book as I read to you from James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, 
they shall be forgiven him. Now let's move to another passage, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his statue? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But now listen. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Every day has its highs and its lows. Every generation has its health and its sickness, life and death. None of us escape the stresses of life. None will escape the walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. But the scripture says, when that time comes, fear no evil, for I will be with you. Now, I'm fully aware, as one that studied the scriptures all my life, that there's a large cult in Christendom. They identify with Christendom, but they deny the existence of disease. They say it's just an imagination. There's no sickness. If you just walk with God and you have a right relationship with God, you won't ever have to deal with that kind of stuff. But I strongly choose to disagree with that. I'm thankful for medicine, I'm thankful for doctors, I'm thankful for nurses, I'm thankful for hospitals and all that kind of thing. But I'm also thankful to know that there's one greater than all of those put together. And when we go through times of sickness, it's good to know what the Bible has to say. Many of us have recently or are now or will soon go through the valley of sickness and in death. In my own family, there's been three deaths in the last four months. And each day, yesterday, I preached the funeral of my cousin's husband. None of us know what another day is going to bring. But don't let that bother you. We're not supposed to know. But the thing we're supposed to know is that when that day comes, and tomorrow will come, and if it does come, there's a God in heaven that's alive. And that God has the Holy Spirit that's a comforter, has legions of angels to come and to walk with us through that time. In some fashion, though, at some time in all of our lives, it doesn't matter 
how deep we think we are spiritually. We will go through a time when we ask the question, why? Why? There was a song written, Why Me, Lord? What have I ever done? Well, you've sinned for one thing. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin brings forth death and sickness and disease. Why do we and those that we love become sick? If we're God's children and God lives in us and he gives eternal life, then why is it that we get sick and we die? Whether it's in a hospital or on a battlefield, on a highway or in the quietness of our own home, how do we handle that? If you've been a Christian very long, it's one of your top 10. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Every time we read that, we remind ourselves it doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. And then one day we will understand. God's ways are higher than man's ways. Always have been, always will be. So when we look at sickness, we can look at several things in the scripture and I want to try to point out to you very quickly. Number one, some sickness comes from satanic origin. When you read in Luke chapter 13, you will see that here is one that Satan has bound for 18 years. Satan has bound this one that had an infirmity for 18 years. Satan brings sickness. Satan uses it as a weapon. And when we think that there is no Satan that has the power to cause sickness, we deceive ourselves because the Bible says he definitely can. Look over in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Now, when Satan attacks you, there is one in you that's greater than he that's in the world. If the sickness comes from Satan, there is a quick physician called Jesus of Nazareth. And he can make you whole in a heartbeat. If Satan causes it. When God permits it, the Father is a different approach. And so what you have to do is to just keep studying the scripture. You can look at the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And he said, if you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and listen to this and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord God that heals you. You see, God has a promise. God promises us when we walk with him, there is a limited amount of possibilities that sickness will come. But when you walk with Satan, there is an abundance of things that will cause you 
to become ill and sick and die. Because Satan represents death. Jesus represents life. He is risen, as he said. We never will forget that it didn't stop on Friday at a cross. There was an open tomb on a Sunday morning. And hell, death, and the grave was conquered. Do you remember the leprosy of Miriam? Numbers chapter 12, verse 9. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed. The cloud departed from off the tabernacle. Behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. The illness of David, Psalms 38, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, neither chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows stick fast in me, and your hand presses me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. You see, Christians, when Christians sin, it can cause great problems. There are certain things, if you're saved or unsaved, if you become a part of it, you make yourself extremely vulnerable to sickness and disease, and yes, even death. There's no doubt that God throughout all of history has had to go through extreme means to bring his children to obedience, and it's still true today. God in this generation is still having trouble getting our attention. As a nation, he has not got our attention yet. We're still playing games. We still think the enemy is across the seas and across the ocean and on different continents, but the enemy is Satan. And we have weakened our war against Satan and we're confused about our war against one another. But here's a fact. Some sicknesses, some sicknesses are judgments from the hand of God. And you cannot escape that scripturally. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. In other words, the world has its enemies. God's kids has its enemies. But God has given us a warning. He cautions us. He wants to lead us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He wants to get us away from the things that are destroying those that know not God. And yet Christians have chosen in my generation and your generation to leave God and follow the world and expect different consequences but it will not happen. But sometimes we're sick for the glory of God. Sometimes we're sick for the glory of God. The Bible says in our weakness, he is made strong. John chapter nine. And as Jesus passed by, verses one through three, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His, his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Listen to Jesus' answer. Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest 
in him. There's not a person here. If you came from a Christian family, have not gone through the valley of the shadow of death and not ask why. Nor have you gone through that time, though, if you were honestly looking around and saw that in the weakness of the one that was in the valley or going through the valley of the shadow of death, that in that life, many were blessed. See, that's the way God works. He says in our weakness, he's made strong. He also says that our strength comes from him. This passage in John chapter 9, that's a terminal illness of Lazarus. But as Lazarus went through that time, God was being glorified. And we still talk about him today. We still go back and we think about that. Yes, some sickness is from Satan. Some sickness is from God. But listen to me. Number three, some sickness is a result of our violating God's laws of health. We don't eat right. We don't drink right. We inhale poison. We don't sleep right. Medical journals report that diseases associated with being overweight result in 70% of all deaths. Surveys are now showing that 85% of our teenagers drink alcohol. And 95% of the teenagers who parents drink will drink alcohol. 95%. This is 50 reasons why I don't drink. You don't have time for all 50 of them. But I'll give you some. I can't be sober-minded if I'm not sober, and the Bible tells me to be sober-minded. Alcohol is a depressant. Anything that depresses should be avoided at all costs. Alcohol skews my judgment. Alcohol will leave me worse, not better. Alcohol doesn't bring me closer to the Lord when I drink, but leaves me further away. I've never heard anyone say, wow, that gin and tonic made me feel so Christ-like. <laughs> I want to avoid all appearance of evil. That's what the Bible tells me to do. My understanding where alcohol is, it's the places of sin, where it runs rampant. Alcohol makes it much harder for me to practice the fruit of self-control. Alcohol causes me to lose my filtering system, to think clearly because it's a mind-altering drug. Alcohol is addictive. Alcohol is a numbing agent for pain and sorrow, and only Jesus can give that. It's not in a bottle, and it's not in a drug. Alcohol kills the brain cells. Alcohol is a counterfeit, and it brings false peace. The only influence I should be is under God. Alcohol makes me forget. Alcohol fills my mind with impure thoughts. And there's a whole bunch more. My time won't allow me. I'm telling you, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whoever partakes thereof is not wise. End of scripture, end of the story. And yet, and yet, today, most churches and most Christians find nothing wrong with moderation. I hope that's not true of other sins. 
Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. You know what? Most people worry about stuff that'll never happen. Isn't that strange? We worry about it though. I know, it's, you know, I know the, the overwhelming odds are it's never going to happen, but I just need to get sick. And worry depresses me and people will give me attention. When you get sick, they give you a whole lot of attention. That's not where you want to go. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Pastor, why am I having all these physical problems? That may be your question. I'm sick. I'm bored. I'm frustrated. I'm defeated. I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm bitter. And nobody wants to be around me. I have no friends. I wonder why. The Bible says for us today, remember the Sabbath day and do what? Keep it holy. You think that's going on today? You think there are more Christians in church or more Christians in the world today? You don't have to answer that. It's obvious. What we've got to do is focus on the love and goodness of God. All things work together for good. Even in our sickness, he can be made strong. And in our sickness, if you've ever had a day when you felt really, really bad and the next day you felt really, really good, you know what somebody said, how are you feeling? I said, I've been, I've been, I'm feeling better than I've felt in a long time. I mean, you very quickly go from there to there when you just get back your health. When you get that feeling, when you can just focus on the love and the goodness of God. I want to encourage you today before this day is over for you to get somewhere by yourself. And I want you to evaluate personally, Independence Day, God's purpose for your life. You know what God does to a, to a new believer? He sets you free. To do what? To fulfill his purpose for your life. That's what he sets you free for. You say, I can't do this because of this. I have to do this. Well, I'm, in, I'm required to do this. I'd lose my job if I didn't do that. Wait a minute. The Bible says when he sets you free, you're free indeed. My challenge to you today is on this Independence Day to ask yourself, are you independent from the control of Satan in your life? Are you really free to where you can say, he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world, and I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, and I can think right, and when I think right, I will do right. Can you do that? If you're a believer, you can do it if you will do it, but you've got to make up your mind. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with him. And if you're sick, why are you sick? If you're mentally, emotionally sick, why are you sick? If you're physically sick, why? Is there something you need to do? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, 
for Christ's sake, because when I am weak, then I'm made strong. I wished I could get there. I'm not quite there yet. I've still got a lot to learn. But when you read the story of Paul, you can see he got there. That he was able to understand that when he was having his worst days, God was going to use him in a glorious way, even to the writing of the scriptures. Nothing happens to us that God does not allow if we're his children. And if he allows it, he's doing it for our good and for his glory. Someone, in Psalm 119, verse 67, David wrote, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept your word. David said, when I was walking with Satan, it was bad day after bad day, bad year after bad year, but now it's different because, God, you came into my life. I'm talking right now to a room filled with miracles. If we were to have everybody here that has a testimony give it, we would go far past the firecrackers tonight in time. And for those that join us and wherever they are in the world, same thing is true of you. If you've ever, 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 ever lived a life that Satan was controlling and God set you free, you know that you're free indeed. And I have never met the first person that's ever told me in my 76 years of living what the sweet old devil did for them. Nor have I ever met a single one that said, I wish I could go back to where I had to have the drink. I had to have the affair. I had to have the excitement. I had to have the noise. I had to have the crowd. I had to have all that because I would just sit and I would just come apart when I was alone. But you know what? When God lives in your heart, you're never alone. You're never alone. There's people that love you that are now gone. But there's a God in heaven that loves you more that's still alive. And he's still ready to move into your life. Whether you are a child, a teenager, a young adult, a median adult, or a senior adult. God is waiting to move in to your life. And let me tell you something. When God moves in to your life, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. If you're depending upon medicine and treatment and tests and surgeries, don't you ever forget and thank God for those in medicine, but they practice medicine. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> there is one who is the touch of his hand. He can not only heal you, he can raise the dead. And by the way, if you hadn't read all your Bible, he is going to do that one day. And the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to rise first and those that are alive and remain that know the Lord will be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And let me tell you, for those of you that are left, you'll have everything you wish you had now that the churches would close their doors and preachers would quit preaching the scripture and that the world would just turn into a hell on earth because that's what you want now. One day you're going to have it, but you're going to be in eternal darkness forever and forever and forever. 
We must stop today. Pain, sorrow, and sickness usually have one of two effects. If you're ever faced, and you will be, the dark night in the deep valley. Either they will embitter you or they will empower you. They will embitter you and turn you into a loner and a hater. Or they will change you and bring you into the center of God's will to provide for you, to protect you, and to love you. And you'll walk the rest of your life beside God himself. So what should we do in illness? My conclusion is that we've got to meet our infirmities with our faith in God. When I don't understand and you don't understand, it's okay if you know the one that does understand. And when you take it step by step, and you can sing that song, take your burdens to the Lord and do what? Leave them there. James 5, 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. You know, sometimes we have faith in the one that is sick. Sometimes we have faith in our friends. But sometimes our total attention is upon the will of God. Not my will but thine be done. Well, preacher, where'd you get that from? From Jesus, right? On the cross. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Not my will, but thine be done. Remember this, unbelief destroys hope in the healing of a sufferer. When those that know the Lord suffer, There is that one that sticketh closer than a brother. And in the midst of the storm, there is a peace that passes understanding. When there's darkness, there is light that comes to take its place. God is always open to choose how to accomplish his will. Matthew 13, 58. The scripture says he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. The miracles happen when God's glorified. The miracle may not be the miracle you're praying for, but you see, if one can die in order that many can live, that's the reason these soldiers are proud to be soldiers. Their buddies gave their life that we could enjoy today what we're enjoying. Jesus gave his life in order that I could be forgiven and you can be forgiven. It's not about us, it's about him. And so, how will God choose to do it? Anointing with oil, we've seen miracle after miracle at Sagemont where that has happened. Jesus, one time you spit he used his hands. He used a fleece. Sometimes he just spoke the word. But here's the question. 
How shall a Christian meet sickness? Very simple. Pray and trust God. And wherever he leads, you go. God can use medicine or he may choose not to use medicine. Isaiah 38, 21, for Isaiah said, let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil and he shall recover. There's medicine. Did you know penicillin was not created in a lab? Penicillin was discovered. God made penicillin. Go back and read about it. And one day we discovered penicillin. Think of the millions of people that live because they got penicillin. See, God can heal. And God can make things that heal. And I pray there's many more out there. But I knew one thing, the touch of his hand, his grace is sufficient. If he wants us to live, we will never die. Now, let me end it this way. We are going to live forever. We're only talking about where. That's all we're talking about. We are going to live forever. Whether you know the Lord or you don't know the Lord, you're going to live forever. But to know the Lord is to have life everlasting. And to be with him forever and forever and forever. The Lord can heal. The Lord has healed. And he will continue to heal as he chooses. So we've got to trust him. We've got to trust him. Moses died on the east side of Jordan. He begged God to let him go into Jordan. You can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 3. You know what God said? No. He said, you're going to stay right where you are. You're going to die right where you're not going over. See, he has that choice. Don't argue with him. Just let go. Because the bottom line is we're all going to die within the will of God. The sentence of death has never been canceled. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. So you can pray and pray and do everything fast take all kinds of medicines, but one of these days it'll be over here and we'll be moving to be with the Lord. In Matthew 12, 36, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Don't get mad at God. Oh, he can handle it, but don't waste your time. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die. That's the last enemy. That's the last enemy. And when we die, if we're believers, we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. Our spirit and our soul goes to be with the Lord. And one day, Jesus is coming again. And his very hands will open the door of heaven. You remember what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Have you, have you forgotten this one? Matthew 26, 42, he went away again the second time. And he said, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away, except I drink it, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Let go and let God take care of your stress. Let go and let God take care of your sickness. We'll have all of eternity to get it explained to us. And I'm convinced that when he explains it, we'll say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I wish I'd have known that a thousand years ago. And the Lord said, no, 
This is just what a part of heaven is. You're going to have all answers. And you will understand it better by and by. On Sunday morning, Jesus rose from that grave. After saying, not my will, but thine be done. His chief apostle, he said to him, Peter, follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. Just follow me. That's all. Follow me. That's what he wants from you today. That's what he wants from me. Follow me. We can discuss it along the way. You can ask me any questions, but just trust me and follow me. And if you do, I will not withhold any good thing from you. When we're happy, healthy, affluent, surrounded by love, everything's going well, it's easy to praise God with our voices. But you know when the test comes? When you start glorifying God in the night, in the darkest days, when afflictions abound, weakness has replaced your strength, blindness and blurry vision, lack of hearing, all those things have replaced the former days. That's the time to praise God and experience the greatest triumph in your faith. When you don't understand, when you are confused, when you are lonely, that's when you meet him and he becomes the closest to you. Friday, I talked to Bailey Smith, and uh, I try to call him every day. And for those of you who are here for the first time or watching, Bailey preached for us, I think, about three Sundays ago, and we saw 100 people come to the Lord that day. And he's in MD Anderson Hospital, and he was told by his doctors this week that it did not look good. And so when he and I was talking on the phone, Bailey, without missing a note, he said, you know, John, he said, I look back, and he said, when I was 50 years old, and the Lord is saying, Bailey, it's time for you to come home. He said, I would have thought then that I have been blessed more than anybody on the planet. And God's given me 25 more years already. And I am ready if that's God's choice. It wouldn't be his choice. It wouldn't be his family's choice. It wouldn't be your choice probably. But if it's God's choice, we'll understand it better. Bye and bye.